Welcome back to another episode. You're listening to On the Cusp of 30s, and I'm your host, Katie. Let's navigate the chaos of adulting together. Today's guest is none other than Seattle content producer Connor Kaysen, also known as Find Me in Seattle on social media. We actually met years ago when he co-hosted in-person foodie meetups around the Seattle area, and I've been following his content journey ever since. At the time of this conversation, Connor has over 60,000 followers across his YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, and he's been highlighting Seattle businesses for years with his vlog-style content. I wanted to know how his unique philosophy on storytelling is like and his incredible dedication for the last few years of documenting stories almost daily. You'll also find out exactly how he partners with businesses, with his marketing services, and he shares his reflections looking back at his 20s. Our conversation starts with the news of losing his job became a turning point for him. The start of what was about to be five years of making content creation his focal point. Yeah, it was at the Absinthe Bar. Uh, and I think I had two parties that I had to, or two events that I should go to that night. Ugly sweater party. So yeah, because it must have been in like the December timeline because I knew it was right at the end of the year. And and I've seen this a few times in my career now where, you know, the worst thing happens. You get fired from your job gotten laid off, I've gotten, uh, I've lost projects, lost clients, whatever it is. And like some of the best ways that I've learned to bounce back is like you have, or I have to jump in quickly to some creative engaging process to kind of like help get over that hump and just realize like it's going to be okay. Right. I still have community. I have people, I have friends, I have a network. I can keep pushing forward. And so I hadn't even told my wife, we went to the breakfast club event. We had a good time, drank all this absinthe. And then I remember driving home be like, oh yeah. And Amanda, I, uh, I'm no longer working there. <laughs> and she was just like, oh my goodness. Like what happened? Uh, there, there's another story that's related to that end of 2021, all through 2021, I was working for the startup. Uh, we were building this app, uh, this video based app, and they had recruited me to, uh, build the app, project manage it, design everything, create a strategy, and uh, license all of my content. And I got a call on the last week of December 2021, like between Christmas and New Year's. And it was one of those, it was that week it was snowing here in Seattle. And the investor CEO of the company was like, we're shutting down the project. They hadn't opened up the app in three months. And they're like, we're shutting it down because we're, we need to focus on some other stuff. And I lost, that was six figures of income that I lost on that phone call. And uh, I immediately went out to Kubota Garden and made this video while it was snowing at Kubota Garden, just about like, you don't get to see that beautiful park very often, like in that majestic atmosphere. And there was nobody there because Seattle shuts down when it's snowing. And I made this video um, just about being there and about it snowing and how pretty it is. It's, it's still pinned to the top of my Instagram and or my TikTok account if you're interested in seeing that. And and that creative push, like making that video on the same day that I got let go from there, really like pushed me forward in moving forward with my content creation career and focusing more on storytelling. Has content creation or anything similar to that always been a part of your life? I've always been very entrepreneurial. I was the kid with the lemonade stand or 
when I remember every Halloween with my neighbors, we would do a fundraiser and haunted house, like in my neighbor's garage, you know, we were like 12 years old and it was like a canned food drive and we'd make this silly haunted house. Uh, so it was always like going after, uh, or, or I was always inspired to create businesses. And I used to say that I was the least creative person that I knew. I, I never thought of myself as artistic. I said, I didn't have an artistic bone in my body. Uh, and so for me to evolve into like pretty much an artist is very interesting and not at all what I anticipated. Uh, but as I've just invested so much into creating things on my phone and taking photos and filming things, it's just naturally kind of come out from me just over over the last 10 years that I've been, let's call it, say, an Instagram creator, the shift from what it used to be to what it is now, we've seen how many people have struggled to make the adjustment. And there's pretty much like a whole new family of uh, influencers and creators that have adopted the reels. But some of the people who really thrived on the photo days of Instagram haven't been able to keep up with the new storytelling platforms it just continues to be challenging. And I think a lot of uh, my success being self-employed has come from being able to adapt and, and change. In, in context to the theme of this show, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think was most beneficial to me starting and growing my career while I was in my 20s was the, it, it wasn't intentional, it was just natural in me, but constant pursuit of meeting new people mm-hmm. and exposing myself to mm-hmm. lots of people's work, opinions, lifestyles, mm-hmm. uh, right. inspirations, yes. uh, find out like what they want to be and talking about their aspirations in life and what they want to mm-hmm. accomplish. I, I just fed off that human connection. Mm-hmm. And so something as small as, hey, let's get coffee in the morning or let's meet a happy hour or let's go on a walk in the park just so I can like spend an hour and get to know you better. Mm -hmm. I think that paid off a lot for me in the long run. I am really curious, like the behind the scenes stuff. So if you don't mind sharing, I'd love to hear. I want to know when you build rapport with small businesses, uh, how do you go about doing that? Rapport is very interesting, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's all about trust and, Mm -hmm. and, and er earning the trust. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times, it, I approach a business without talking with it. Like I just approach them mm-hmm. as a customer, mm-hmm. right? I go and I spend money and I eat at the mm-hmm. place and mm-hmm. I don't say that I'm creating anything mm-hmm. uh, most of the time because I'm not committed to creating something mm-hmm. like the story has to come out of the experience and I'm just there mm-hmm. to discover, but I yeah. usually will ask questions to the server or the manager or if the owner's there mm-hmm. um, and I know who they are, I'll ask for them mm-hmm. and just be like, Hey, can you tell me the story about how you got here, why you started this business, mm-hmm. what inspired the food. Um, and, and that's when I come as a customer. Mm-hmm. But uh, if asking those questions is th- the best thing that I do to actually learn mm-hmm. about who they are. And I don't think they get asked those questions as much as I think that they would because mm-hmm. I ask every business owner like the same mm-hmm. set of questions, yeah. uh, more or less, about like, how, yeah. did, how did we get here, right? Mm-hmm. Like why, how, how, it takes a lot to open up, especially a retail front. It Mm -hmm. takes a lot financially and you've got Mm -hmm. to have consistent sales and Mm -hmm. you got to build a customer base and and you know, you can't just start a retail business, Mm -hmm. right? You really have to have a proof of concept, uh, established customer base, 
uh, or access to financing in some type of way to get mm -hmm. in there. And so I just love finding out about the grind to mm -hmm. get to that area, answering questions that let people tell their story and, mm -hmm. and talk about themselves is a natural way to get people to like you. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a, one of a really strong sales tactic is the best salesperson says the least amount of words, because if you can let the other person talk a lot, they will naturally leave the conversation thinking better of you because they usually enjoy hearing themselves and they love sharing their story, whatever it is. And that just helps build some trust. Yeah. And, and then over the years, my, my content has been extremely impactful for a lot of mm -hmm. people now. And yeah. so that has been like the one, two punch, like, Oh, not only do we really like Connor, he was really friendly mm -hmm. when he was here. He was really nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, but his content like made a distinct impact mm -hmm. on customers showing up the following mm -hmm. week. And, and so that word has also spread to give everyone kind of a overall story of, of how I operate my business. Uh, so, so find me in Seattle is a marketing consulting company. And I have my own channel where I get to be creative and I tell stories that, that is really about seeing Seattle through my eyes and exploring the city and getting to know these people. And by creating these videos and creating this content, that has become a portfolio for what I do for other businesses. So I work with dozens of different types of businesses around Seattle and I make, I, I take my style and I incorporate their stories and I make videos for them to post on their channel. And then if they want, they can also utilize the reach that I have at Find Me in Seattle, but that's kind of like a separate, uh, a separate cost from the service that I provide creating these videos. And, and I do everything with my phone. So that is like really the unique part of my business that I'm realizing is I show up to these clients, uh, if, I, if I'm working with a grocery store and I'm meeting the produce manager and we're talking about all the seasonable, seasonal vegetables and fruits, um, I show up with my phone, usually on a tripod, and I have a microphone in my backpack, and that's it. I don't bring in any fancy lighting. I don't bring in uh, big audio equipment. I very rarely use lav mics. And my whole goal there is to minimize the intensity of the production because it's the only way to get the produce manager to feel comfortable in delivering some of this information that I need to get. And, and then the goal is in that couple hour session to create a bunch of TikToks, right? And so it's, it's once again, asking all of those questions that I asked those business owners and trying to find little stories that we can tell in some type of one minute narrative. And yeah, in, the, in that session, so, so more or less, the primary thing that I sell is the marketing consulting, the strategy, the ideation, uh, but then creating the actual videos and uh, clients book me out for an entire day. And what that is, is an in-person session, usually in the morning for two to four hours. And then I have a block of time that I or my assistant does editing for them. So at the end of the day, not only did you get uh, a batch of coaching to learn about Instagram or learn how to post on reels or learn about trends or learn what trending audio is going on, ask about ads, whatever it is that's going on. But then also the creation side where uh, a couple days later, I'm going to send you a dry folder and it's like, here is eight TikToks that we made like that you can post for the week or for the month. And uh, having those uh, two punches of like the consulting and the creation has become like a very unique business style. But, but I stick out a lot because 
uh, I just show up on my phone and a microphone. It's very, it's very low production, but I think that fits very well on the current state of social media because it looks like everything else. The reason why I shoot it on the phone is because when you're swiping through TikTok or through Instagram reels, you're seeing nine out of 10 videos are made on the phone. So there's a production value that you're used to seeing. And then when you see that high production thing, sometimes it looks so salesy. It looks like an ad. Um, and so people tend to swipe away from that because it's overproduced. And so I've gone with the exact opposite tactic and like the things that go the most most viral now, yeah, are the low production thing, the people holding up their phone and just talking to the camera and, and posting it really quick. Those are the things that really pop because it's relatable. And I've just like fully embraced that mentality and created that into a service. Can you walk me through a little bit of like, you know, your thought process when you first started Find Me in Seattle up until like now, how has it evolved for you? Yeah. So I have always had a connection with local business owners and specifically local restaurant owners. My parents, when I was very young, owned a restaurant. And so by the time I became, you know, a, a, a child who knew what was going on, they didn't own the restaurant anymore. But my entire family, I'm one of six children. We all had jobs. Our first jobs were all at the restaurant. And three of us actually all had our first job at the same restaurant. It was very much like uh, back I grew up in California and you could get your work permit at 15 and a half and you could start working at 16. And so like the day after my 16th birthday, uh, I got this job in a restaurant and I've worked through restaurants kind of throughout college and, and post-college. And I always just had this connection for people who were crazy enough to open a restaurant and try to run that kind of business because I think that business is extremely difficult it is very rarely financially rewarding. It's a, uh, uh, you just, it's hard to make money as a restaurant. And I always admire people who, what I say, like are crazy enough to go after that kind of dream. And so it just made sense for me to start making content about restaurants because I was selling to them on door to door. And I just had felt like I had this kinship with the struggle that they were going through one of my favorite restaurant owners in Seattle, his name is Kay. He runs a Japanese ramen shop in Wallingford on 45th called Yoroshiku. And he was one of like the first restaurant owners who, who embraced me and was just like, Hey, like you're just this kid who's walking in trying to make things happen with these startups and these businesses and these videos. And he just always saw like, Oh, there's there, you know, he liked me. And as I learned his story, he was a student at UW at the time, like teriyaki was having its moment in Seattle and there wasn't a lot of ramen shops at the time. And so he graduated from UW, moved back to Japan where he was from because he was an exchange student, learned a, more about ramen and cooking ramen. And they moved back to Seattle and opened this ramen shop. And he had like one of the first like ra big ramen shops here in the city and, and it continues to run. And I realized his food tastes better because I know that story. Just, just from understanding that. And that was the first time it clicked for me where, oh, if I share the interesting stories of these people and these businesses, people will like their food more. And that was one of like the first unlocks for me that was like, oh, if I tell these stories about these people, their restaurants will do better. People will want to seek those places out. I, I have 
so so, so many, many stories, so many stories. about <laughs> creating content because I work with so many businesses. I my my days are very interesting because I I haven't created a niche. I, the the story I now tell that's really popular is just the the power of social media, and I can't take all the credit for their success. Uh, but there's this human composting business in Auburn called Return Home. Uh, it's when they're a funeral home. When you pass away, instead of cremating you, they'll turn you into uh, a a bag of mulch and dirt and compost that you can like plant around your garden or or spread in in the forest somewhere, and it's a really interesting business, kind of scary, kind of terrifying. A lot of people are put off just by talking about death, uh, but they have their business has grown immensely. They're they're going to be a very big business all through the success of TikTok and all these TikTok oh, wow. videos they made, and they've been they've been featured on every magazine, newspaper, TV show, news show in the country. Uh, and, yeah, and, that's very and and they have had this hyper growth in their business all because of educating people through TikTok. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, but the, the story that I've been telling lately is about um, this Rainier Teriyaki restaurant. My most successful video I've had this year was this video I did at Rainier Teriyaki. And sadly the owner of Rainier Teriyaki was shot in his restaurant uh, at the beginning of the year. And three months later, they op- reopened the restaurant. It was reopened by the the owner's son, his wife, and his brother. And I went there. It was the first or second day it was open. It was really empty, very slow. Uh, people hadn't known. They didn't have social media. They weren't on there. And I just made this video from the parking lot and was like, people need to come. Like, Teriyaki's a big deal in the city. And this place had a tragic moment happen to them. I think that the city should come in and, and give them a big hug right? And just come buy food from them. And it absolutely went bananas. Uh, within two hours of me posting the video, I got tagged with people who went to the restaurant. Um, and all in that time, uh, so they, they were sold out for weeks. They were selling out multiple times a day, like having to close after lunch, do prep all over again and wow. open for dinner. Yeah. And I mean, got tagged hundreds, if not thousands of times mm-hmm. from all these people from all over the city. Who oh my there. gosh. Uh, it was covered yeah. on all the radio stations, all the news channels. Yeah, just like it just yeah, went chill. all over and it severely yeah. impacted their business. All in the while, they didn't even know what my name was, who my name was. Cause I, I talked to him in the beginning and he was like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be featured on camera when I told him, like, hey, I'm gonna post this video. You should check it out. And so he didn't even know what my name was. I showed up a week later because I knew it was just insane. And and I remember walking in to get lunch and immediately he like ran over and he was like, he was like, You're the guy who made that video. Right. He was like, I don't know what your name is. Like, I don't know even who you are, but you made this video and it like completely changed our business and like brought, brought all these blessings to, to their teriyaki restaurant. Um, and it was just like such a cool, just a very rewarding thing to see Yeah, yeah. how much one video that you posted really changed the trajectory, right. For that business. Exactly. And, and yeah, and that we had no personal connection. They didn't even know who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that, all they knew was all of a sudden a lot of people were coming into the restaurant mm-hmm. and a bunch of people kept just showing them the phone and be like, oh, I found mm-hmm. out about you because of this TikTok, because mm-hmm. it's Instagram reel. It's just like so amazing that you can positively impact somebody's life in that way because of a simple video that I made. Yeah. I'm so glad that you shared that story. And uh, I'm so glad that 
people resonated and were taking action and supporting the business because of it. I think back to the Seattle Breakfast Club and kind of like your origins of, well, maybe it wasn't your origins of community building, but it was certainly one that I partook and uh, you know, got to know you through. I wanted to reflect back on your experience as a co-host and then like how it's like influenced your later approach to like building community. When I created the name Find Me in Seattle, I always had this vision of how cool would it be if I showed up to a place and I posted online or I did whatever and I said, I'm at this place, first 10 people who show up get a free slice of pizza or whatever it is. Like, could I actually drive traffic in real time? And so I, I met with um, this woman, her name is Paige. And we just talked about like doing kind of trying to almost embody that concept and doing these events that we could bring the Seattle foodie community together through Instagram specifically. And what the, the ethos of the meetup was, was we were going to sell tickets and we took all of that money from the ticket sales and gave it to the business to kind of fund whatever service, dinner, lunch, breakfast, uh, brunch, whatever it is that they were providing. The, or the hope was that everyone who showed up was going to take a picture and post it on Instagram and tag them on their story. So the hope is if we had 30 people show up to this place, we could create some virality for the restaurant to like get the name out there. And it, it's it's... It's very similar to what a PR company would do. If a PR company is working with a restaurant, they say, hey, let's have an influencer event and have all these people come in and, and share the story. It was it's the exact same concept. I think we just, we approached it a different way because the goal was to show up and make friends and meet other people that you might know online who love food, love sharing food, and happen to all pull out their phones and take take the photo, right? It was a phones before forks was, was like a, a mantra that this food's going to come out, everyone's going to take a photo, and then we're all going to share the meal and have that experience. And I think we did like maybe like summer 2017 through through summer 2018, 10 or 12 different meetups uh, over, over the course of a year, year and a half at all different types of restaurants from uh, fine dining establishments to the Absinthe Bar to Boba Tea Spots. And yeah, and it... it it really just like bought, brought all these people together that knew might have known each other from Instagram or might have not, and and it created a very unique community. I, I I hear often from those group of people who are like, oh, like I I made my lifelong friends through that group. Now um, it's it, it was really amazing to see like, oh, that those meetups that we did like made an impact and positively impacted not only the restaurants but the attendees and, and help them find community too. It was really, really a special thing. And, uh, we, we haven't, we haven't done it in a long time now. And, and the pandemic really, uh, started that as well. Since you were talking about your process of working with clients and things like that, what are some things that keep you inspired and motivated? Do you have any rituals or habits? Yeah. So every, every my new year's resolution every year is to not have to go get a job. In uh, so it was December 2017. Like I got laid off from that from the job I had doing the door to door sales job, and I knew I knew right away that I was like, all right, I'm going to pursue this find me in Seattle thing full time, and I just got to figure out like what are the steps I need to do to like make it official, and I got to go get clients and all that. But uh, I remember it being New Year's Eve 17 to 18, and I was like, if if 
in 365 days, if I didn't have to go get a job and I was able to pay all my bills, then like I should be very proud of myself and, you know, be, be content with the success I had. And I say that to myself every year still, uh, that if I can remain self-employed or build my own business and create my own lifestyle, then like I should feel very fulfilled, like from accomplishing that. And so that's like really a big driver for me is like, don't, don't have to go get a job if you don't have to like be, be, be your own boss. Um, but I, this creative artistic approach to my life has been, has been so fun. I just like see the world in so much more of an optimistic lens and a creative lens. Most people don't get to live their life and their work and get to be so creative and come up with new ideas. And I'm such an idea generative person that I get to like feed off that all the time. And so that like really makes me feel good about the work that I'm doing. And, and obviously the feedback from when those visit, when those videos make impact on businesses, like that's, you know, the, that fills my cup quite a mm-hmm. bit getting that kind of feedback yes. with the, the positive impacts mm-hmm. that my, my art is having on people. Like I get to, I get to create this art that not only is a fun documentary for me that I get to look back on in however many years I'll be able to go back on all these videos that I've made in this year and been like, this, these are the things that were impactful to me in the year 2023. Right. When, and, you know, when I was 34 years old, like here's all the interesting things that I was doing and here's the documentary of my life while also having like positive business impact and positively impacting others and their businesses like that, that is so unbelievably rewarding that it, it helps waking up every day and be like, these are the things that I get to do. Because content is like such a big part of your life. Do you have conversations around content creation or businesses like, um, you know, at the dinner table, like with your wife or like, you know, in your day to day, do you uh, have a tendency to bring those topics out? At the beginning when I was starting my business, my friends and, and even my wife, it, it's a little like jarring and weird, right? Like, hey, Connor's got to like take a picture of the steak before we all eat it. And it, it becomes that joke. I've become very fast at doing that stuff now. Um, but it did take it did take a while for, especially like my closer circle to understand like, oh, this is just what's going to happen. And, and uh, having those discussions, are you okay with me taking a photo with you in the background or filming? Uh, and those are conversations I'm constantly having with, with everyone that I'm around. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, especially my inner circle, they've seen the importance and the benefits from me doing that. Right. Like, uh, especially like the personal videos that I do with my wife, like every year I do, uh, I do an end of the year review video of like all these adventures that we've been on. I always do a video about her every year. Um, and just some of those, like, intimate memories, these, these end of the year reviews become the time capsule of our lives. I'm so with you on that. It's like documenting is a huge part of my life as well. And, you know, I I mentioned to you, like part of the reason for the podcast is like, it's kind of a way for me to like, like capture all my thoughts and like conversations with people at the time. Right. I used to do write myself. um, I call them time machine letters, letters to the future. And I had this uh, 10 year long project where I would write letters to uh, me 10 years later. And every year I would do a recap of, you know, 
all the thoughts and like things that I cared about. Uh, as as time go- goes on, I and I think I got this from Gary V. Also, he just talks about like the way that we're able to capture content is going to enshrine us in our family's history in a much different way. Like I can't go back and see who my parents were when they were on the cusp of their 30s to understand who they were, what they were thinking, what was important to them, what did they do? Um, I I don't have any of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I am always inspired. I I don't have children yet, um, but I hopefully will one day. And I think about how, hopefully, how interesting will that be for them to, when they're 30, have this piece of documentation to go back and be like, wow, like, look, look at all the interesting things or who my parents were when they were that age compared to, you know, who they were later and what they know of whatever the future holds for us. Um, and, and that legacy like has become, uh, very important to me. My, my, when my mom passed away, I realized I'd already been on this documenting journey and the only video I have of my mom, of her talking is of her she stole my phone one day and we were at the bowling alley and she was just like filming our whole family and she says my name to get my attention to look and like wave at the camera and that's it and like i have that one video of her saying my name and that's pretty much like the only Mm -hmm. uh piece of content that i'll have of her voice um and so that like means the world to me now Mm -hmm. but that like enshrined this idea of Hopefully one day there's future future generations of of my family who will have some inkling to understand who I was and hopefully my children, if I can provide them the life that I uh, aspire to provide them, they'll understand how I got there, right? And all the things I do, they'll, they'll go watch this podcast maybe or they'll listen to this podcast and be like, oh, like this is who he was when he was 34 and the things that he was doing in 2023. I, I'm uh continually inspired for like the future when you look back to uh whether it's like when you first started find me in seattle or just like looking through your 20s what are some thoughts that come up and like would you do anything differently uh do things differently there there are little moments where i would have treated people better like those those are the things that weigh the most on me throughout my life that i reflect on and it's like man like I was such a such an a hole to that person. I said I said things that I shouldn't have said. Those are mostly the things. Was like those are the things I did wrong, uh, and hopefully those are lessons learned. And I and I'm better to to my friends, my family, fellow humans in the future, and I, I make better, especially like on the spot decisions. Uh, those are really like the things that I regret the most. Um, and 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 like I said earlier, like I'm very proud of the the things individually I've accomplished professionally that I've accomplished because I've, uh, I very much stayed true to myself and, and pursued my own path. So uh, when, mm-hmm. yeah, when, when college and, and society talks about going to get a job, like I've really stayed true to be like, I'm going to do my own thing and stay true to me because walking around with your phone and a yellow backpack is not what people would recommend (laughs) that you do to start a business. It's very obscure. And when I was in my twenties, I think about the jobs. I graduated college uh, and I was a recruiter for like 18 months for an IT recruiting firm. And then I got let go from that company and I went and I worked at the mall. Right. And it was like, at least it's with Microsoft. So, you know, it's, 
it, it feels like it's tech or whatnot. And I met my wife there. Right. And so Gosh. like, that's where I met Amanda. I we were working that. at the mall together. Okay. And then over the next, you know, seven years, I went from working at the mall on contract as a seasonal worker to uh, working with lots of different startups and small businesses. And the place that I was at the most was this company called Notice that was doing door-to-door advertising sales, working with small businesses. And only in hindsight, it became such a great decision because the door-to-door sales work taught me some very invaluable lessons about convincing people to work with you. All right. And to pay you money for a service or a product in return. And I, I got so many reps over five years talking with thousands of local business owners, learning about their pain points. And, and I look back on that. It was just such a crazy decision and to not to, yeah, like I was just broke. I was broke and I was walking around the street every day meeting business owners and it it was crazy, but those are the things that you should do in your twenties. You should try a lot of things, try a bunch of jobs, find what you like and what you don't like, develop a a level of self-awareness. What am I bad at? What are the things that I'm doing wrong? Uh, like I said earlier, like noticing, Oh, I've been treating people poorly. I said the wrong thing here. I was being mean. Uh, reflecting on those moments, like is the best thing you can do in your twenties, because uh, I always say like, if you're going to work to the traditional age of 65, because most of us aren't going to win the lottery or, you know, sell a billion dollar business. Like you got a long time because by the time I'm 30, I still have 35 more years of work left. Right. So I'm still in the point at 34. Like I don't feel like I'm in like my prime, my prime years. I have a lot to learn, a lot to grow. uh, But I still have like another 30 years of like work to go. So it's, it's, I, I've been trying to be very patient, right? Be patient with my career growth and reaching for specific goals and, and what I'm going to learn and, and, and understanding like, it's going to take time to build all of these blocks. Mm-hmm. That's why I really enjoy asking questions like, you know, reflecting back on your twenties and uh, things that you would do a little bit differently when you are in it like you are in your early, mid, late 20s, you think that you are on some sort of like rush to succeed or rush to meet certain like expectations and catch up with your peers or whatnot. So there's a lot of anxiety around like what you should be doing versus where you are at. When you, what, every time you're looking back, you just feel more at peace with like, oh, back then I didn't actually have to stress as much as I did because things do turn out like, okay. Things are hard. Anxiety's high. Mm-hmm. Life is really hard. Life punches mm-hmm. you in the face. But like, yeah, you're very resilient, right? You're very resilient and you're going to learn. You're going to grow. It's funny because like we don't think in that way. When you're in the moment, you're like, no, 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 that's not that's not the case. Like I got to make this you know, promotion, I got to make this specific thing. So I I loved hearing your reflection. Any advice for aspiring content creators who want to make an impact? Capture as much as you can. What I tell everybody is you can't make more content if you don't capture the video first. Because at at where we are at the moment, you can always do the narration and do the voiceover later. But if you didn't pull out your phone 
and capture the photo or capture the video, then it's really hard to go back and capture that. That's the first thing. The second thing that I would say is uh, the best book that I've read about marketing is Gary V's The Thank You Economy. And what that book is all about uh, is about the one-to-one interactions are the key to long-term success in doing this. Because if you're like, I want to be a content creator, but you're not in the long-term mentality of like, oh, I'm going to have to do this for a long time. Uh, This is about building a long-term brand for myself, uh, for my business, whatever it is, right? If you don't have a five to 10-year outlook, it's going to be really hard. And the way you have to start is you have to talk to everybody. And Instagram, TikTok, whatever platform you choose is the best networking tool that we've ever had. Being true to yourself and creating your own style is the only way that you're going to be able to continue doing this long term. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thanks for sharing all those insights. I can talk for forever. (laughs) So thank you for indulging me on this. People follow you, Connor. You can... Find me in Seattle, pretty much anywhere on the internet at find me in Seattle, whether uh, it's on threads, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, it's all right there at find me in Seattle. And um, the big thing is if you find me in real life, please say hi. Most likely I'll have a yellow backpack and my longer blonde hair. So if you identify me and you see me, please say hi in real life. That's like the coolest thing for me is when people are like, Hey, like I know you from Instagram and we meet in person and I'll make sure to give you a sticker. So everyone who finds me in real life gets a find me in Seattle sticker. So it's a fun little scavenger hunt. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to connect with anybody who's out there listening. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, make sure to stay tuned for the next one. And if you have thoughts or questions to share, please connect with us on our Instagram handle, which is on the cusp of 30 podcast.